What's up, everybody? We are live, as always, every Wednesday night, 9.15. This is the flagship show of the All About the Bird Network, the All About the Birds weekly report. We are more than just eagles at the All About the Birds Network. Make sure you stay tuned to the end of the show where we're going to go into some new shows we've got coming up, some network specials coming up. So much happening at the All About the Birds Network. But like I said, this is the flagship show, the weekly report, where we dive deep into the Eagles. And I'm joined by my three stooges, Johnny Uleka, Jeff Warner, Chip Keggy. I am Phil Stifel. Welcome, everybody, to the show. Make sure you're sharing it on Facebook, retweeting it out on Twitter, clicking that thumbs up button on YouTube and the subscribe button. And, uh, of course, as always, drop your comments. We've got a great show, a bunch of different topics to get into. Uh, we're going to talk about free agency and the cap that has been set. we got a really interesting poll question that got a lot of great responses on, on Twitter this week. But we are going to start with the biggest question of the day, and it's about Jeffrey Lurie. Before I ask the question, I'm going to read a statement. Eagles owner Jeffrey Lurie has instructed the team to prioritize making Jalen Hurts successful in 2021 as opposed to to creating a true quarterback competition, sources tell Chris Mortensen of ESPN. So, based off of that statement, is Jeffrey Lurie making this statement and meddling in player decisions good or bad for this team? <clears throat> Let's jump right in with you here. I, I knew you were going to raise your hand. Chip, jump <sighs> right on here. I am so – I I was doing my show Monday night, and so I forget who put it in the comment – but they, they came up with what I will now forever call Jeffrey Lurie, and that is Jeffrey Jones. Jeffrey Lurie so badly wants to be Jerry Jones, and it is what is happening is the meddling in team decisions is terrible. And you heard a story break today from Barrett Brooks, former Eagle, that this isn't new information. This isn't a new trend that Jeffrey Lurie has always meddled in team decisions. And we've talked about this now for weeks and weeks and weeks here, ever since that press conference at the end of the season, where it became very, very clear that maybe the problem isn't Howie, but the problem is that Howie feels obligated to do Jeffrey Lurie's bidding. Now I don't buy into the whole, you know, he listens to WIP and those are the decisions he makes because if, because that's yeah. that's garbage. If that was the case, Ricky Williams would have been an eagle. If that was the case, Andy Reid would have been fired five years before he was. If I mean, That's just absurd. What it does say to me, though, is that you have an owner with very little football knowledge making football-based decisions and not listening to the people around him. He has already cut out his head coach's legs right from under him. The press conference that Nick Sirianni gave said every single position was up for grabs. Not Jalen Hurts, though. But we but we definitely have to take the Chris Mortensen report, you know, semi-seriously because Chris Mortensen, Agreed. he is a legend. You know, he is one of the greatest of all time. He's been doing this for a long time. He He's not going to put out a statement like that without some nope. substantial – you know, evidence to say he's got a reliable source. Jeff, right. 
do you buy Jeff the the the, the Mortensen end of the report being an accurate statement? I think it's somewhat accurate. I would say just for the fact, I would say they want to know what they have with, with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback. Mm -hmm. So they do not want to have any type of distraction going into the season, uh, whether I would say people are second-guessing whether Jalen Hurts is going to be the starter come week one. Now, I know there was a report after this from inside the birds, Adam Kaplan and Jeff Mosher said that they feel and they heard some reports that they're still going to bring a guy in here that somewhat push Hurts. But I, I feel this the statement might have been a little bit overblown from Mortensen. And I think they're just trying to say they're, they I think what he was trying to get at was that they that uh Lurie's probably telling the front office to get weapons around and build this offense and build some uh get some pieces for him so he can be successful if he is the starter. So I I, I buy it a little bit, but I'm saying there's still always gonna be competition, I feel. And I'll say I feel Mosher and Adam Kaplan are more involved and in tune with the team and their sources where Morrison, he's a national reporter. He does a great job, but we don't know what type of people he's actually talking to that has this in this in-depth situation or, uh, or uh, oh, information. I had a follow-up question, but Matt brings up his question that they're learning from their mistakes here. And one of my questions down my list a little bit further here is what or was the problem. He, the bigger problem over Howie, Doug and Carson. And he, you know, Matt's saying here that, you know, they're learning from their mistakes. Are they learning from their mistakes? No. Or has been Jeffrey Lurie the major issue all along? Well, Jeffrey uh, Lurie's never going to get in trouble for well, this because, oh, you know, just look look he's at 2000 to now, right? Look at 2000 to now and the success that this team has had. So Jeffrey Lurie is never going to be on the hook for that. That's why Howie Roseman gets all the flack he does. It's why all these cap decisions, which we're going to get into later in the show, Howie's the one that takes the blame for it. It's why the winning and the losing, the coach, Jeffrey Jones, is very good at managing where the blame goes and never on him. But what we're finding out is that, like, every owner in the NFL exactly – like every and I, I wouldn't got the away right for it too. To throw that up on the screen, and right he wouldn't there. got away for it too if it wasn't for these meddling kids, right? What the problem is, like every owner in the NFL, these guys they want to win, but they are excited to show off their toys. So yes, it was exciting to bring back Deshaun Jackson. It really was. I was super excited, but it was the wrong move. Yes, we were excited about Alshon Jeffrey. He was a big name, and he was integral in the Super Bowl. But we held on too long and not signing players like Brian Dawkins. Like the problem is, is that you have non-football people making football decisions and with Howie making strictly monetary decisions because the NFL is first and foremost a business. Well, the Dawkins thing wasn't Howie. I would say that was when Joe Banner was still here. So that you can't fault Howie for the Dawkins uh, be, being sent off to Denver. So to that circumstance... So, we're, so I was going to throw it to you, Johnny. Is this statement even true? You're the draft expert here at All About the Birds. You know, expert as we call ourselves here at All Johnny About the Birds. Johnny Kuiper Jr. And all. Johnny so Kuiper. draft expert. I'm the golf expert. Chip, I don't know what he is. I'm um, a jack of all trades. And a you're the jack of all trades. So, Johnny, is this statement even true? Or is this a smokescreen for – them because maybe they still do really want to draft one of these quarterbacks and they're just trying to, you know, you know, 
you know, scare the rest of the league or tell the rest of the league they don't need to trade above the Eagles to get their quarterback. And then one of the quarterbacks that the Eagles want just falls in their lap at number six where the Eagles are picking. I, I don't think they're going quarterback. I think this what this tells you is, yeah, they're going to bring in a veteran, um, who that is, what it, you know, we'll discuss maybe a little bit of that. But to me, they're going to bring in a veteran quarterback. Not saying they're going to push Hurts, but a guy that is there. You need a guy. You don't need a rookie. My thing with it is for them to go ahead and – not saying they're anointing Jalen Hurts, but you want to build around him and give him the arsenal and the weapon – around him that you know they haven't had the last couple of years because of injuries i don't think they draft i think they draft either a playmaker or or something they're not going to draft the right. quarterback and i just feel like what this is is jalen hurts is the guy he's getting right essentially right now he's the guy and and let's be real clear he he should be if you look at the quarterback on this wall on this roster because i don't care if nate sedfeld comes back at all he's now so if you look at the quarterback on this roster, Jalen Hurts should be the guy. He should be given a chance. But the learning from the mistakes piece comes to, are they going to anoint him like they did Carson Wentz? And let's be very clear. The issues that were with Carson Wentz were, and we said this on the show multiple times, were because Carson Wentz was used to the small town living. He was the big fish in a small pond. Philadelphia is not for him. So bringing in a guy to compete with Jalen Hurts is fine. Jalen Hurts can take it. He's been competing his entire career. He competed at Alabama. He competed at Oklahoma. He competed here. He can compete. But you have to make sure that you build around him. And that's why that draft pick is so important. You have got to bring in a guy with that sixth pick or later. I still think they're going to trade back. But you have to bring in a guy who is going to be a difference maker this season, no later than week three. So I haven't actually heard a firm answer. We'll go to Jeff first. Is what Jeffrey Lurie's doing and making statements like this or wherever the leak of this statement is coming from, is it good or bad for the team moving forward to have an owner that's meddling with the pesky kids you know, <laughs> in decision-making of an NFL franchise? I'll say it's it's bad. I understand he's the yes. owner of the franchise. He wants input, but he's not Jerry Jones. He doesn't have a football background. This guy was a freaking Hollywood producer, director. Right, but hold on, real quick. He has a football background because he's been the owner since 19, what, 95, 93, whenever it was. He's been the owner for well over 25 but, years now. But he's not but he's not a guy I'm saying that has like either played the game or okay. like studied the game or it was an analyst or something along those lines. He doesn't have the football IQ that he is bringing that he hires people to do. Now, I understand the reason why he's doing what he's probably doing is because when Chip Kelly was here, Chip Kelly wanted way too much more control and basically took over the franchise and basically almost turned into a dumpster fire. So, the fact that I'll say after that predicament, Blurry uh, looked in his mind and looked at, looked at that situation and said, "I'm never letting this loud to happen again. I am gonna, yeah. I'm gonna have my input. I'm gonna make sure this organization is run to the best of my ability." Because I'll say he got lucky. I'll say when he hired Andy, he had all the faith in Andy Reid uh, to build that franchise up from the ground from the ground up and, and put they it collaborated to do it. Right, absolutely, exactly. So. I'll say we didn't have that with we didn't have that with Chip. We didn't have that with Doug. And I think because I would say he doesn't want he doesn't want head coaches have too much control. That's why he's giving Howie 
as much leeway as he is because he has faith in Hallie, which he hasn't shown to the fan base to be receptive and 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 be the guy that we hope he could be as the GM to assemble this uh, quality football team. So. I don't know. And ultimately, I would say Lurie, I would say if it's true that he wanted Jalen Hurts or some of these picks, he's he's one to blame. I know Howie wants to get all this. We're giving Howie all the slack because of the GM because we think he's making the selections. But if it is true that Lurie's the one making these decisions is having final say, he should be the one on the chopping block, which is never going to happen until he sells the team. Yeah. But yeah. He, he needs to step back and let these guys that he's paying the big dollars do their damn job. But, Jeff, you, you, you talk about he lucked into Andy Reid, but look at all the coaches he hired. You can't say – the Ray Rhodes, they made the playoffs in 95 and 96. You get but Andy they were Reed, still you know a three and 13 football team heading into Andy's first year. Andy helped build that franchise. I'm not saying we didn't have – I'm not saying we didn't have quality coaches beforehand or the assistants and all that type of stuff. And I, Ray Rhodes, I know where you're going to go with. You're going to say the draft and he had players in place. But Andy still – was the guy in charge that helped put us in position and had the final decision-making to put that team in contention year in and year out. Enough said. So, Johnny, your chance to answer it, is it the right move or not for him to be making these kind of meddling comments? I don't know if they're making meddling decisions, meddling comments. The thing is, I understand the owner part, but he is the owner. When there's a financial decision, when there's a decision to be made, he is the owner. I can, I, he, can I guarantee he had to approve – taking the cap hit on Carson Wentz as the owner. Exactly. And you think about it, I'm going to throw it to you, Phil, with this question. You're the owner of your own business. If there's people that are management or whatever, you have a manager or you have something, whatever it is, and you have to, although you're the owner, you make that final decision. You're getting any type of big decisions you can't let someone else make. Making picks and everything, I understand that. Okay, he shouldn't be making picks, but – this is a lot of hearsay and a lot of, you know, who's making these remarks. Like the whole thing with the whole Barrett Brooks and saying about the whole Jimmy but, but, Johnson. But, but the comments are coming from – we're talking about the Chris Mortensen comments. And I don't, I don't want to throw shade at, you know, Brandon Brooks. But Chris Mortensen is a viable media member. He is someone that's been around for a long time. Maybe I'm overvaluing Chris Mortensen. Maybe I'm not. But if Chris Mortensen says something – I'm I'm gonna believe it a hundred out of a hundred times. I, all I say is he's what he's doing is what a lot of owners do, and you may not hear about. I think that's just what people need to understand too, because John Harbaugh also talked about in terms of ownership meddling. So yeah, it, you know, owner, owners I, are gonna be involved. I have a bigger issue with this though, because and you've seen it since the season ended, the Eagles season ended is that all these leaks that are coming out, all of these reports that are coming out of Philadelphia, one thing that Lurie is doing that is infuriating as a fan is he is making sure the Eagles never leave the national news. He is giving, and it's great as a podcast. making money, basically. As, as a podcaster for the Philadelphia Eagles, I love it because he gives us our topics to talk about each week. It's fantastic. The shows write themselves. But at some point, like he did all, all the Carson Wentz talk during Super Bowl week. It wasn't about him. And you've got Eagles fans arguing and debate. We are going to, and I, I, I will say this here, and it's not a hot take. It's not a, a – we are going to be debating – Carson Wentz versus Jalen Hurts 
until neither is on the Eagles roster anymore. This is something in 15, 20 years we're still going to be talking about because it has been such a divisive topic. It didn't need to be this. Make your moves behind closed doors. Do what you need to do. Be the owner. But stop doing the look at me routine. So, so, so that's a great transition. So I want to go back to something you said at the very beginning, Chip, of the episode. Okay, before I do that, Matt, again, with a great comment here. Terry yeah. Jones hasn't won since Jeffrey took ownership of the Birds. It's so true. I mean, they haven't won a Super Bowl since then. Uh, but on the flip side, so you brought up. And that's why. And, and, and exactly. <laughs> I love it. We can put that up five more times this episode for sure. So you brought back at the beginning of the episode up that you know, Nick Sirianni in his intro press conference, in his press conference with season ticket holders, yep. in his press conference or his interview on WIP, he keeps saying over and over again, there's going to be competition on this entire team. We're, yep. We were a 4-11-1 team last year. Nobody's job is safe. Or now, should all be. of a sudden you have a brand new head coach make a bold statement that there's competition across the board, and then you have your owner countering that instantly by saying there's no competition for the quarterback one. Has Jeffrey Lurie already put Nick Sirianni you know, behind the eight ball? Raise oh, your hand absolutely. if you want to go first. Absolutely. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Because – Here's the thing. You bring in a guy like Nick Sirianni, who is a young coach with no head coaching experience. He's got – I mean, we, 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 we have a head coach that came out of nowhere. Yes, he was highly valued in the Indianapolis and the coaching community. In the, but we got a guy who came off the streets in a, in a Florida T-shirt shop, right, and gets, gets the job. None of us knew who Nick Sirianni was before he was named the head coach of the Eagles. So when the head coach gives a – arguably terrible opening press conference, right? Mm -hmm. And he makes very clear statements that have become sound bites of every single position is up for grabs. And then the owner goes, whoa, 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 Nick, that's not what we talked about when I told you what it was going to be. Oh, sorry, boss. Like, it's it's a problem. If you bring in this guy, the fact that Nick Sirianni said, well, how he builds the roster, and I think I get choice of what, who plays on Sundays. Like, you have a puppet as the head coach, because the owner is working the strings of the GM who's working the strings of the head coach. It is an issue. Jeff, Jeff, anything to add on the Sirianni having his power, you know, usurped already by Lurie's comments here? No, I'll say because ultimately it was brought up before that I would say that I would say Hallie was going to be the one assembling this roster for uh, for game for uh, the fifty three man roster anyway. So I feel even before all of this, Sirianni's power was already somewhat taken away, and his main responsibility is going to be getting whoever team they assemble uh, the op- or uh, the fifty three man roster that he's going to put on game day. But the, what what really screw? I'll say I know Phil, you brought up about the draft uh, before. I'll say you thought it might help them. I'll say because of uh, if a quarterback falls and they take a quarterback, I honestly don't feel it helps them. I'll say the fact that I'll say this leaked out and other organizations now know that the Eagles are not going to be looking at quarterback. And I'll say look at the teams behind them. I'll say that might be a quarterback in the team. Some of these teams that need a quarterback behind the Eagles, they they, they might they, they might feel there's no need to trade up now. I'll say or at least to the Eagles. Yeah. Spot, I would so say you, you just take a random team like Carolina. Who's at yeah. the eighth spot? You know, they yeah. might not need to trade up to six, say, with the Eagles or five. So so they're actually doing themselves a disservice there for sure. So, yeah. And Eagles- is this part of the smartest man in the room routine? Like, are they trying to go, okay, wait, we know we're going to take a quarterback. 
And uh, if we tell everybody that Jalen Hurts is our quarterback, then they won't. Like, is this another part of that whole smartest man in the room? We're going to trick everybody. Just Wait. stop. Do things behind closed doors. Believe it or not, it'll be okay. Yeah, I agree with you. Johnny, you got something to add to this on the Sirianni part of it. Brand new, brand new head coach. I what what I really took from it was that they want to they want to surround the offense. What Jeffrey Lurie has talked about is about he loves offense, which to me, yes, he what does. he's saying is he wants to put the best players out there to help Jalen Hurts succeed. So, for me, it's just looking at what they're going to do with the offense and how they're going to improve that facet of the team because we know it needs improvement. Right. And and I agree. Some of the comments that have been rolling in, and especially great, about the Great whole, comments rolling in, everybody. I'm trying to get to them all. And the, one of the comments that I keep seeing is like, he, he Jalen Hurts did enough versus Jalen Hurts didn't do enough. I, I Jalen Hurts didn't do enough to be given the job. He did enough to be given an opportunity, but he did not do enough to be given the job. So the fact that there is no competition and there are so many, and they're like, you know, you're, you're seeing your, your Fitzpatrick's available. You're seeing your Alex Smith's available. You're seeing all of these things available, which is great. But you also hear things like, oh, well, Chase Daniel is uh, looking for a trade to go mentor somebody. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. No, not See, in his cap hit. No, you don't want him. So you say he didn't do enough for the competition. To be, to be given the job. did enough to make him not need competition. They drafted him with a second-round pick. Yep. They got rid of their franchise quarterback that they paid $130 million, whatever, $40 million cap hit. So the Eagles did enough to eliminate – that cap. So, do you know what I'm getting at there? Like, absolutely. So he doesn't the need Eagles. to prove himself because the Eagles back themselves as an organization back themselves into a corner where they have no choice but to right. give Jalen Hurts the unequivocal right. you know, quarterback one tag right from the get go. There, there is no doubt based on everything that the Philadelphia Eagles did to get Jalen Hurts to the quarterback one spot that he has to be QB one. With that said, you are telling a kid who started four games mediocrely that he is now the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. He hasn't earned that. No. Now, the Eagles did everything to make sure that he is that, but he did not earn that. That's why Nick Sirianni is saying this team, every spot is available because we had a garbage record. It needed to be that way. Let Jalen Hurts go out there and compete. Let the team rally around him that not even the quarterback is safe, but I'm going to work my ass off to win this job. They're not doing that, and that's an issue. It's an issue. Yeah. All right. Any final comments before we wrap this segment of the show up to move on to the uh, accounting section of the show? Just this. That's just this. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just throw that up there. Leave it up there for eyes. three seconds so everyone can soak in what our organization has become. I really wish Johnny, you could have made that like with a video. So he was the, the Eagle was actually ripping the mask off of the face and all, you know, that, that would have been like major clutch, but you know, good job with that graphic there. <laughs> next time. It's just, right, it's, it's, right. it's, it's exhausting to be an Eagles fan to basically here, 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 do. Here you go, Johnny. Here you go. 
I don't know if we'd be allowed to. That might be I, a, I don't know. You could probably a licensing turn question mark. Characters first, and then yeah. do it. Yeah, we got to make sure that Scooby Doo doesn't have any um, dark past. We need to uh, <laughs> edit out of. But you know what I mean? Like it's it's exhausting to be an Eagles fan because every single week it's something new. Like this week, and I love that what we're doing with the rest of our show because we're looking at things that matter to the whole NFL. Mm-hmm. Other football teams aren't dealing with this garbage unless they're the Dallas Cowboys. And Which, even the Dallas Cowboys were like, all right, we're going to pay our quarterback. Who is a quarterback one? We're going to dramatically overpay him, but hey, we're handling it's a great it. transition because the NFL, everybody's blaming the Eagles for their cap situation. And yes, the ca- Eagles are in cap hell, you know, to start this offseason. But every team is having cap issues to an extent. You know, the yeah. cap, they did announce today that the salary cap is set at $182.5 million. It's a huge drop from what was expected. It was like 215, 220 was expected this year, somewhere in that range. Free agency is a complete dumpster fire. Every team has got to cut some, you know, some Pro Bowl level player, you know, somebody that they didn't expect, restructuring deals all over the place. Mm-hmm. This is the Johnny account. Do you have your accounting glasses out? No, no counting glasses. No counting glasses. Don't. All right, you're, you're you're not a counting guy. All right. So Johnny, we need to know where the Eagles stand at this moment with their salary cap, and just recap all the moves that they've made thus far, on to get to where they're at because they have trimmed a good twenty plus million off of their deficit at this point. Yeah. So they are at twenty six point eight million right now. Over. Now, real quick, I'm going to cut you real quick. Is that counting the rollover? Because I asked uh, yeah. Tim McManus, he never got back to me on that one. Does that count the rollover? Yeah. The rollover is already in effect. Okay, gotcha. Um, so $26.8 million over the cap. So we saw the last couple of days, they cut two bottom roster guys, Blake Countess and Hester, saves $1.7 million. You know, little still things like they've restructured Isaac Samalo, which we saw that, which was $2.4 million saved. The 182.5 adds an extra – 2.5 million than the 180 that it was set at. So you you have that in effect. So you have that 28 26.8 million. We already know about the the Brandon Graham and Lane Johnson working on restructures. So so they're not we're included waiting. in that yet. They're not included in that. So you have that. Okay. Um, uh, when we talked to Mike K, he talked about Javon Hargrave and Brandon Brooks possibly, and you know things like that. The Zach Ertz. There's a lot of moves to be made. So. Essentially, they could have anywhere between 15 to $20 million to work with after doing a bunch of moves. And I'm not going to get into the in- intricacies of everything because I don't want to you know, bore everybody. But they have, they have decisions to make, and we know that, and we know what moves are being made. But they have to be made by the start of free agency, which is the 17th, which is Wednesday, uh, next, next Wednesday. So yeah. – so they made a lot of moves. So I was not aware that the 26.8 didn't count Brandon Graham and Lane Johnson yet. I thought it also did not include. So there, there's a lot of things we're learning there. Um, yeah, obviously, as, as we're here, you're saying, everybody's talking about how they're pushing money down the line. But the salary cap with the new deals going on is going to jump back up next year. And the year after that, it's going to go through the roof. So there's a lot of things that are going to play. We'll worry about two years from now, two years from now. Right now, we've got to get under the cap. Right now, $26.8 million. If you save 3 or $4 million with Brandon Graham, you save a few million with Lane Johnson, maybe you're at $20 million. Then you take into Zach Ertz. That's going to save you a few million. Then you're going to talk about Derek Barnett restructuring or cutting. That saves you anywhere from 3 to 
you know, whatever million dollars, what other moves do we see the Eagles making? Because that still puts you 10, 15 million over the cap. And then you need to get under the cap to be able to sign any free agents. So does anybody have any creative new ideas on where the moves will come to make this, you know, cap savings come out of? Because it's so it's if, it's up in the air, in my opinion. If you if you restructure BG and Lane, the, the basic restructures now they can do a lot of you know interesting things with it, but the basic ones save you about seventeen million dollars for just those two guys between the two of them combined. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. Wow, so I didn't realize it would be that the, much. The other thing you can do is I know the whole Fletcher Cox. What you can yeah. do with Fletcher is you can make him have a five million dollar base salary, which then you push out. Um, the bonuses get pushed down to his voided years, which if he, next year, if he plays well, you could extend them and that means nothing, but that could save you another possibly upwards of 11 to 18 million. So there's ways to get extra money. Now, what, what that does is it takes next year's salary cap. So next year's salary cap may not be 60, $70 million, you know, under the cap. You may only be 40, 45 million, you know, that's where you said to kick the can down the road, but there's ways to get, under the cap. And that's why I've always said to hold your horses on. You can't do absolutely, you can't do anything. There's nothing you right. can do. But if you look at the, if you look at the salary cap space, I know, I don't know if it was you that posted Phil. Um, somebody posted that the 10th team had only 24 million in space when in usual years they'd have between 30, 40, 50 million. So this right. year is everybody different. is hurting obviously from exactly. the cap drop. But, right. uh, and you again, and you, you look know, at some that, of the players saying that you know we have to take into account the ten million that's going to go to our draft picks. Now, personally, I see the Eagles getting rid of some of those draft picks, trading them for future picks or whatever they have to do because drafting ten players when you're cap strapped, yeah. it's not a smart move. You got other comments yeah. here. You know, they need cheap. They, they need cheap players at depth. Yeah especially special teamers and all that type of stuff. So at those rookie deals, they, they might use most of those picks. And the two right. uh, compensation picks they got, you can't trade those. So they have to make those picks, definitely. You can right. trade so, yes, them They now. did they, gain they, two six-round compensation yeah. picks, you know, today that was announced. So that puts them up to 10 total draft picks. Total picks. So, Chip, what do you think of this situation? I mean, are, I, are, are there any surprise moves coming? The save cap move? I I don't see it because, you know, you're looking at an aging roster and the players, and again, tying back into our last segment, there are no surprise moves because we know every move as it's happening in real time because there are no secrets with the Philadelphia Eagles. It's true. It's a good point. Um, So, no, there are no surprise moves. I think the surprise moves are you see some players uh, willing to take a restructure. So, to me, on a losing team, right – you change your mentality. You go, I'm going to take everything I can because it's more about me. On a team that's looking to rebuild and figure stuff, like would Kelsey really have come back if he didn't think there was a chance? Would would Lane Johnson and, and would he have restructured? <clears throat> would, Brandon, would these players have taken out of their own pockets for the good of the team if they didn't think there was a team to do good for? Uh, yes, actually, because they're getting that guaranteed money. Once you, once you hit the open market, if you just got cut to save that money, yeah. So once you hit that open market, there's yeah. no guarantee that a team's going to pay you what you were already going to get here. You look at some of the names we were going to get into it in a minute. You look at the Hunter Henrys and the Jonas Smiths, two Pro Bowl caliber tight ends that were cut. 
you know, they might not get the money that the, that the teams are saving by cutting them. They might not get that on the open market. So right. I, I think there's a lot to it. This is a great, but, great point here from Johnny Higgins. You know, we've talked about them trading back. Chip, you believe that they're going to trade back. Trading I think they're going to trade back deep. Picks. You know, you know, you trade from one, you know, from six down to twelve or wherever you say you're going to gain future picks for future years in that. But you're also saving money. You trade back in the second round, the third round, the sixth round. You trade yep. back anywhere for but future then, picks. But then you, but but then I was sorry to cut you off. But then no. you bitch about the guys that they pass up. If they pass up on the guys like Kyle Pitts or uh, Chase or Smith or some of these big impactful playmakers on the yeah. offensive and defense side of the football, then we're going to be blowing up Howie and oh. Jeffrey if he's making the decisions. Absolutely. And Jeff, you know, the funny thing about that is what happens if you say, you know, we'll trade to 12 with San Francisco and then – all of a sudden, Kyle Pitts drops to number 10 and is selected by the Dallas Cowboys. And then you're yeah. going to have a whole CD Lamb rehash of all that stuff because Absolutely. you're going to miss out. And I, I understand and, that. But, but again, there's risks in that. And Howie has put us in a position where we're in a cap situation. So we have to look at all the different aspects and under the cap to save as much money. As but, everybody's saying, kicking the tires, not to do too much of that. But you know, you, these are all things that are results of the situation we're in right now. But you need uh, once again, you need two of the tango. So you can't just trade back to trade back. I say no, you, I need, you need another team involved. It's the same thing last year. Everyone says, oh, why couldn't we trade up where the Falcons were? They get in front of Dallas to get CD Lamb. Obviously, there wasn't they couldn't come to an agreement. You can't just force a team to make a trade because you want a guy. That I'll say the only way you trade back is if your guy that you have on the top of your board when you expect to pick or wherever you want to go is definitely going to be there. Otherwise, I'll say you might move back if you feel he's gonna drop and then move back again if he's taken or feel he's gonna drop. More. But again, it's also tying into the finances of it. Drafting a player at six is something the Eagles really can't afford to do right now. Well, it's, and not they as bad. Right. Well, it's not as bad as years past. I'll say it's still no. capped and so, Rookie deals are a little bit more friendlier now than they were when the Sam Bradfords and all these first-round picks when they got first drafted first overall. Now, David's so, coming here. I would love. I'd be super happy with the entire draft. What great. happened? And, if we got Chase and Asante Jr. In, in round two, that'd be a great draft. But Johnny okay. brings up another good point here. You can't have a draft strategy based solely on – around, you know, making sure Dallas doesn't get one specific player. No. It's a really good point. But you can have a draft strategy based around the fact that you are competing in the NFC East, and in order to make the playoffs, the most surefire way to do that is to win that. So you can draft players that will complement winning those six games. Uh, but I will also add on, and I feel like we talked about this either on this show or one of our other shows, but there is – and I, there is no way to win this draft if you are Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Jones. There's no way to win it because if you draft, if you don't draft Pitts, half the people are going to be pissed off. If you don't draft Chase, half the people are going to be pissed off. If you don't trade back, half the people. No way you win this. If you draft a quarterback, everybody's. Gonna, that's how you win by getting everybody to hate you. 
everyone everyone's gonna have their preference on who they feel they should take all i care about is an impactful player that's be on this roster for the foreseeable future to build us towards back to a winning organization that that's all i care about an and impactful that's, that's, player that's, that wasn't impactful just in college but also yeah. makes an immediate impact in 2021 exactly by like yeah by like the third week that's what i said yeah. absolutely by week, no when you're picking at six if you pick at six if you pick in the top six or seven of an NFL draft, your player better make an impact week one. All right, so, Jeff, we're going to lead to you here, okay? Obviously, I think you commented on on Twitter and all – I mean, and, and on Facebook all day and all week that players are getting dropped and cut from teams yeah. left and right. I mean, it's it's a total dumpster fire. It's not just the Eagles that are in cap hell. No. You know, do you want to run down any of the surprising cuts that have made, been made, some of the surprising players that are now – free agents, and, and then I'll throw it to the other guys, anybody that has surprised you that has been cut? Well, of course, I'll say some of the big names that were released or they're going to be taking the free agent market, like you said, Hunter Henry, uh, the tight end, I'll say, which is going to affect the Eagles. Uh, trades. We'll have to get into that in a second with Zach Ertz. And then I'll say big wide receiver, Kenny Galladay from the Detroit Lions, who we would all love, and it would be a great it would be perfect for us in a situation if we had money, but of course we're well, not going to be able to compete with the salary that he's probably going to They just—they're not getting the franchise tax, so they'll be. Well, free. yeah, right. he, so these be- are all the guys that are becoming available because the Detroit, if the cap wasn't in the situation it is, yep. they, Detroit might have been able to find a way mm-hmm. to keep Kenny Galladay. Uh, and then uh, I'll say Emmanuel Sanders, who's up there in age but still a serviceable wide receiver, I'll say could be an option for the Eagles, I feel, depending on what type of salary. And, and I'll say, and depending on what they can get at their numbers. And it, there's new names left and right every single day. Like I said, the, it's it's basically the pink slip uh, pink slip list. It just keeps on getting bigger and bigger and bigger uh, j- because the Eagles aren't the only one that is trying to look for the future. And I know everyone keeps on saying kicking down the can, kicking the uh, can down the road and moving the salary and all that. It's either kick the can down the road and move the salary further throughout these contracts or completely gut the football team like some of these other organizations are doing right. for moving which, on from quality. Which I will say, that's a key word there. I'm surprised the Eagles – I mean, we had Deshaun Jackson is only technically the only major cut the Eagles have made. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I know they, they, right. they cut some minor guys to save a few pennies. I'm surprised we haven't seen any other Eagles cut. They're doing the kick the tires where other teams are just cutting losses with players. But I really want to dive into what you said there, Jeff. Hunter Henry, Jonas Smith, they got cut. Yeah, that just crushes the tight end market, in my opinion, yep. for Zach Ertz. Now, Zach Ertz, before last year, when we first started this podcast, we talked on shows last summer. Should we trade Zach Ertz or Dallas Goddard? Should we keep both of them? What? I mean, it was a tough situation even last year. We foresaw this. Now, Zach Ertz. Last year, you could have traded Zach Ertz for a pretty decent draft pick or compensation. He had an awful year. His compensation went down obviously, that we could get for him. Now you have two top-level tight ends in Hunter Henry and Jonah Smith that are also available. Where Where is Zach Ertz's trade value now, guys? And if you want to go even one more, you have another with uh, Kyle Rudolph. Kyle know, there's Rudolph, another tight end on the, on the market. Well. That was uh, released that last week. You know, So the trade market just keeps going down for Zach Ertz. So, hey, what does it do to his market? What can we conceivably get, guys? But on the flip side of the equation – is there a scenario where we keep and just restructure Zach Ertz? That I don't see I, them doing that. I, I, know, I don't see either, but it's something that popped into my head earlier tonight is 
well, maybe you just find a way to keep Zach Ertz then since his value is so well, low. The, the, the thing with Zach Ertz and these other, you know, Hunter Henry and John Smith, John Smith and Hunter Henry are going to cost a lot of money. Zach Ertz uh-huh. deal isn't going to cost as much. But the thing, the thing about Zach Ertz, which is very interesting, that you could wind up seeing the Eagles cut him and not trade him because if the Eagles trade him, that cap $4.9 million savings doesn't get saved until the start of free agency when the deal could become official. So if they're for, if right. they're not under the cap by then, that's why they, if you cut them, you get the cap savings right away. So that's another thing to keep an eye on. Some people yeah, don't that, know. That, if they trade him, they get it. But I mean, and, his, and his what, happens low. Zach, what happens with Zach Ertz also affects Devin's checking in with, you know, questioning Kyle Pitts Great. as a draft pick for Philly. You can't have Kyle Pitts, Zach Ertz, and Dallas Goddard. You, you have can't. to have one of those guys not in the picture, obviously. Obviously, everyone's talking about Zach Ertz, but I see a scenario where they they feel like they want to get a second or a third round pick for Kyle for Zach Ertz. Not they happen. can't. So they just – it's not going to happen. But they just feel that, all right, Zach, do you want to stay? Restructure your deal. Save us a few million dollars in your restructure and just stay with, with the team you've been with you know, your entire career. I and then they want to get Chase yeah. or, or Smith or Waddle with their first-round pick. I, I for, for me, I just am getting very uh, frustrated with paying guys to not be here. Like, we can't afford to pay any more guys to play for other teams. So, however that works out with them saying, look, Zach, you had a garbage year. You demanded a lot of yourself. You demand a lot of us. Neither of it meant, why don't we Why don't we make this work together? But Goddard's still the number one. You know? I, I, we got to do something there because there is a fracture. That is a fractured relationship that we've now seen very clearly. Like, Carson Wentz was like, oh, you know, I'm just not going to talk to anybody, but it's a fractured relationship. Zach Ertz at the end of the season was like, I'm probably done here. Uh, We'll see, but I'm probably done here. And I'm not going to leave the football field until 2 o'clock in the morning. So, well, then he's also not trying to take less money. The whole reason we are in this situation is he wanted a new contract. He wanted more money. So the fact that if they come to him and ask him – to restructure and yeah, take no way or get, or get more of a signing bonus up front, okay? But he still wants his money. He still wants to get paid. And that's going to be the most difficult thing when it comes to trading him is why you're not going to get a huge compensation for him. You're going to be lucky to get a fourth or fifth round pick is because whatever team he goes to, he's still going to want that new contract. Yep. All right, so yep. real quick on the, uh, on the, on the Zach Ertz trade, I want to bring back to last year. The mm-hmm. Falcons and the Ravens made a trade for Hayden Hurst. Now, going into last year – how far was Hayden Hurst below Zach Ertz in the pantheon of tight ends in the league? Hayden Hurst was way below Zach Ertz. Can we agree Absolutely. on that? But yeah. it was the potential, the youth and the potential. Right. That's- right. But but still, Hayden Hurst was way down there. So the trade was the Falcons sent a twenty a, a, a fifth-round pick and Hayden Hurst for a fourth-round pick. Last year, Zach Ertz would have gotten way more than that, obviously. But now at this point, can anybody conceivably expect anything nope. more than that? I mean, I think that, uh, I mean no, because of what Zach Ertz, that, which, which right. is ridiculous to imagine. Because of what Zach Ertz put on paper for a stat line last year, you know, he, he damaged himself. At the beginning of last season, he said, I need to be paid like the number one receiver I am. That was before – his quarterback couldn't complete a pass to him. That was before he missed a ton of games. That was before the team took a titanic nosedive. It was on the understanding of, well, we're still going to compete. 
And then he put out on the field the effort that he did, the the numbers that he did. So it, the, he ruined his own draft stock. Which he actually ruined his own contract negotiations. We're going to transition into a poll question I put out on Twitter in a few minutes. But how much blame on all these different players' poor seasons last year can be blamed on the coach, the bad play calling, the injuries? You know, we talk about Zach Ertz having a bad year or Carson Wentz having a bad year. How much of that was on Doug Peterson or Howie Roseman? How much was Jalen Reger's bad year on Carson Wentz? There's, How much was ever? It was a culmination. There's a lot of blame of to go around. Seasons blame to go all over the place. So maybe Zach Ertz isn't as bad as he performed last year. Right. Maybe it was just more along the lines of the whole team was a failure. Well, <laughs> there, look, well there were points during the last season with Ertz, I would say whether he played ba- good or bad or if it's the team around him, there was times he did not show any effort whatsoever. You, you, we, we could bring up that one play so, when, he, when he got bumped off a route that turned into an interception. I forget what game it was. There was a few moments. Zach Ertz was totally uninterested on that play. I, I agree with you on that. But some of the other plays, that was one moment of frustration maybe. I don't know. I, I look I think, at Zach Ertz as a guy that I want to be here because I love Zach Ertz, the human, right? I love what Zach Ertz brings to a locker room. I love that the relationship that him and Goddard have, the one-two punch that they have. I love that he is a weapon already for Jalen Hurts as a number two receiver. But, you know, Richard Rodgers had a great damn year. Do we really need Zach Ertz? Richard you know Rodgers I mean? established himself as a number two tight end in the NFL last year. He caught Absolutely. pretty much every ball. And, and some of those passes that were thrown to him were way off target. And he was still making circus catches. So, I mean, he didn't have 100 catches or anything like that. But, you know, when the opportunity was presented, he was making plays. I think what you have to look at here is when Zach Ertz came into the league in 2013, the Eagles had an established tight end in Brent Selleck. Who was a very productive, uh-huh. he wasn't as productive as the level of Zacherts, but he was still a very productive tight end. And then his his level of production faded off and Zach Ertz rose. Now, correct. Could that could that be the case of the Dallas Goddard and then Zach Ertz? Like to keep Zach Ertz at top paying this money for him true. not to give you much, I I just don't I don't feel that it's it's worthy. We've always talked about hanging on to people too long, the Jason Peters Mm -hmm. and all these guys. And the the thing is, this is where you can get out of save money. Exactly. This is where you can get out of a contract. These other guys, you can't just willy-nilly get out of and save a ton of money. So you have to restructure. But Zach Ertz, you can either cut or trade and still save just about $5 million and not take that much of it because his contract basically is up. So Unfortunately, I, I would love Zach Ertz to stay, but this is where I say you, you cut your losses. You get maybe at best a fifth-round pick, maybe a 2022 conditional pick, depending yeah. on how he plays, maybe in play there. And, it's, for me, and it's, it's a good it's, time. Yeah, You know, it's a good time for because his best friend is no longer on the team. His coach is no longer the coach. There is a tight end who is ascending as Zach Ertz declines. So if there is a time to get rid of Zach Ertz, it is now. You know, I, I personally think that one of the reasons why Jason Kelsey came back, you know, there's a lot of talk like, well, he wanted to play against his brother. He he has a new kid at home. I look at it in a different way. I look at the reason why that Jason Kelsey came back is because he knew that the Philadelphia Eagles do not have 
a replacement plan in place for center right now. So if he were to leave, that would create another hole. And Jason Kelsey loves this team, loves this organization. So he went city, loves the city. So he goes, look, I'll play for another year, but this draft or next draft, you need to have a plan in place because I'm not sticking around. But, but Chip, you bring that up. There's one quick point here is, you know, Jason Kelsey restructured and did what he had to do to stay. Brandon Graham's restructuring to stay. Let, you know, those two guys are big fixtures and have been here for years. And a lot yes. of people said it's an organizational failure. What does it say that these two guys still want to stay for this organization and play for this team and play for this organization? It yeah, says a lot. It says a lot because then Zach Ertz at the beginning of last season was like, pay me, yeah. pay me big. And then he put up a dud of a year. So now he didn't get paid. It's, it's going to say a lot to me of what happens here. Does he take the restructure to still be here and be a team guy? Or does he go, nope, this, I'm gone. Peace out. All right, let's transition. All right, again, this is the All About the Birds flagship show, the All About the Birds weekly report. Keep the comments coming. Keep the, oh, this is great. Keep the sharing. This has been a great show so far. We've got a lot of great stuff going on. We're going to transition to our third segment. Put out a poll. And I've been doing this thing now on Twitter for a couple of weeks now. Every week I put out a poll. Uh, you know, a random Eagles question. You know, I might transition some Phillies and Sixers questions later on down the line as those seasons continue on or get started. But Phil, your but questions it, it, are actually good. They're not like clickbait. As yeah, it's, other it's, it's, they're not, they're not clickbait. Questions. It's not just another Carson Wentz question over and <laughs> over and over and over. And I try, I try to mix it up a little bit, and I try to make the questions. You know, like this week's question, I didn't put Jalen Hurts' name in it. Because I knew he would just dominate the answers. So this week's poll question was, what young Eagles player, not named Jalen Hurts, <laughs> step up the most next season for any form of success next year for the Eagles? Now, there's been over 600 votes in just about a day and a half of this being up. Miles Sanders has got 21% of the votes. Option two, Jordan Mailata has 14% of the votes. Jalen Rager has 62% of the votes, which I'm surprised he's that far ahead of everybody. And then I put other as 2%, which, you know, we've got a boatload of names in the other category that were dropped in the comments. I'll get into them based off of what these other guys say here. But so it's Miles Sanders, Jordan Mailata, Jalen Rager, or other. Chip, go first. Where would you put your vote or where did you put your vote? I put my vote for Miles Sanders. Um, I'm, gra- I'm glad you, you have you. You have a kid who did not get enough opportunity under the Peterson regime. You have a kid who his yards per carry were incredible. Um, holding on to the ball issues, catching the ball issues. But if you can, we see this all the time. If you can establish a good to great running game, you take an insane amount of pressure off of the quarterback. And with a young quarterback, with an aging offensive line, and young wide receivers that are still developing, if you can solidify that, the easiest thing to do in the NFL is run the ball as an offensive lineman because you get to drive and push. So make that part simple. Make that part simple. And that starts with Sanders staying healthy, holding on to the ball, and getting more then, you know, 18 carries maximum per game. Jeff, 
Where's your vote going? Sanders, Mylotta, Reger, or other? It's it's a difficult decision. It, it, it really is because there's so many others. I, I I really wish Twitter would add like six or eight to the poll questions. They need to. There's so many names I wanted to put on there. I'll say, yeah, especially since I'll say there's a lot of glaring uncertainties, especially heading into 2021 across this entire roster. But mm-hmm. I, I'll say I, I have to agree with the with the majority of the poll of gathers right now. And, and, and Rager, I'll say Chip brings up some great points about Sanders, but we'll say we don't even know if he's going to be here in two years when his rookie contract's up. So I'll say, Grant, I know the question is for 2021, but – I would say I don't see us being a winning football team next year regardless uh, whether Sanders is productive or not. At least Rager, I would say he need, we need to know that last season, his rookie year, he was just going through rookie growing pains. And we were yeah, on and, a- and, that's, and that's what I want to get at. I mean, Jalen Rager is dominating this poll, but he was injured last year. There was no rookie mini camps, no OTAs. Nope. Can you really blame his performance last year on himself? And I'll say wide receivers usually stick around a lot longer than running backs. So if he can sure. and live up to that first round talent and that first round uh, selection that the Eagles rely on him on, and if they get another weapon in this year's draft or even next year's draft, you have a great tandem for the future. So I need to see a lot of growing pains and improvement from Jalen from Jalen Rager this year that he can be that big play threat that Doug Peterson and, and the front office thought from him last season. But the one thing you said is usually wide receivers last a lot longer than running backs, and that or take away nine shot. times out of nine times out of ten is true. Um, remember though, coming out of college, Miles Sanders had like zero tread on his tires. Right. I know. You know, what I mean, he he did not run the ball a lot. So yes, we are coming into you know contract years with him, and he is a pretty good running back. So let's see if he can step up to the greatness. Jalen Rager is only as good as Jalen Hurts allows him to be. Jalen, Miles Sanders, if you have a game-changing running back, you can win. Can as you? long as your offensive line can block. As, as long as your offensive line can block. So many top running backs were playing in the playoffs this past year. Christian McCaffrey, who was hurt or uh, who was banged up, I would say they weren't in the playoffs. And there's constantly guys, I would say, top running backs in this league. Uh, Derrick Henry, they were first uh, – didn't they lose in the first round or second round? So, I will say it's good to have a running back. I have nothing against Miles Sanders because he's a, a tremendous talent. I'm just trying – I will say I'm, I'm just trying to look towards the future, and, and I feel a lot of the issues last season was definitely the coaching. So, I'm hoping – can come up with some ways to get Rager more involved in just a deep play threat. I want to see some more bubble wide receiver screens. I want to see more. Hey, more get play him the ball. Yeah, and utilize get him the ball space. I just want some more improvement from him. And I'm just, I would say, I honestly, I don't, regardless if Rager or Sanders is productive or thousand yard seasons, I still don't know if we're going to be a contending football team next year because there's so many holes. So, but I, I just want to yeah. see. He, he's a first-round talent compared to Sanders being a second-round. I, I want to get to Johnny's answer before I bring up some other names, but I'm not sure if he's there because his screen kind of froze. Johnny, you there? I'm there. All right. Yeah, we, I'm here. You're, you're not moving, yeah. but where, where are you placing your vote? So I know he says step up. I'm not going to go my lot because he did step up last year. Mm-hmm. I understand step to the next level. i got to go Rager because you drafted in the first round – and you look at the other receivers in Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, Gabriel Davis, Chase Claypool, Michael Pittman Jr., all these other guys, plus C.D. Lamb, the guy that was drafted ahead of that a lot of people complain he goes in and trade up to get. 
You have all these guys that were productive last year, and I know that Rager was hurt, and I understand that. But when you are a first-round drafted talent, hurt or not, you have to take the next step, and that's what we need to see. We need to see that next step taken because if this guy is going to be the the speed threat, this game-changing type of player that we all thought he was coming at TCU, or we hope he is, that's the person that we need to see take that next step because the way the offenses are in this league, it's a passing league. It's a league that you get a lot of production out of your receivers. The Eagles need to get the production out of the receivers that they draft high, especially Ray. All right. right. So, and I I oh, think out of all – I think out of everybody, Rager is in the best – uh, chance to succeed because of the fact they brought in Sirianni, who was a former wide receiver, a wide receivers coach. Like he knows how to to play. So that's actually I a great Ra- transition to something I was going to say. So I think that Rager has the best chance to succeed. I just think that Sanders needs to step up so that everyone else the most can succeed. I think the most important player is Jordan Mailata. Left tackle is one of the most important and underrated positions. In the NFL, you want to keep your quarterback upright. You want to keep the pressure off his blind side. You need a left tackle. Jordan Mailata had glimpses and graded out according to that really, really reliable PFF grade system, you know, as a number one left tackle several weeks last year. But again, would he play 10 games last year, 12 games he started last year? He played a lot. He, he That's his entire career was last year. He didn't play in college, in high school, in middle school, in element. He never played football. So even though we only had a four-game, you know, sample size with Jalen Hurts, we do have college film, and he's been playing quarterback for a long time. Jordan Mailata has been playing left tackle for three years, only one year actually of actual regular season opportunity. I think he's huge. But Chip, you bring up, you know, you know Sirianni and his wide receiver experience. Ortega Whiteside's still on the team. Stop it. I'm Stop just it. I'm well, just let kidding. me let me ask you a question I off that because up three defensive names here. Real quick. Well, gonna, hold on. Gonna, I want to bring up my lot of point. Right, I want to right. argue with you for a second. All right. What? Not even argue. I want to ask you a question because what more could my Lotta have done last year? Pass block. That, okay. He, I, he, I'll give he you definitely that. Definitely was not. So he was. I would say he earned his, you know, top tier, you know, really reliable PFF grade in the run blocking. You know, because he's a rugby guy. He knows how to push people around. He knows how to charge forward. You saw in his technique some flaws on the pass blocking and some of the sacks that other guys gave up. If you really look at the film, some of them were also because he didn't pick up, you know, assignments to help other guys out on the line. You know, certain shifts and certain, you know, movements that should have happened on the line, he didn't pick up on them. So he needs to get better on the pass blocking to take it to the next level. And again, like I said, he's played what, 12, you know, games in right. professional football in his entire life. I think <laughs> he could get there. And 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 one thing we talked about it in the middle of the season, one of the games that Carson Wentz was getting knocked down nonstop. No one talking to Carson, no one picking up. The only guy that would go over after Carson Wentz yep. got knocked down every single play. Every Mylotta time was over there picking his ass up off the ground every time. So I love Jordan Mylotta's potential and Chip, you weren't here last year. I wrote Jordan Mailata off before the season started. Oh, we all did. I we didn't think did. he should have been on the 53-man roster. I didn't think he should have been on the 53-man roster in 2019. But I think he's earned that right. I think he's but earned he's, the right to at least be the leading candidate for left tackle. And I think right. if he takes the next step, this offensive line could really come together with some youth for a change. Well, right. And and he's 
he's an athletic guy. Um, Johnny, the the guy that the Titans just traded the Dolphins, the first round lineman. Who's that? I'm forgetting the name right now. Isaiah Wilson. Yeah. So my question is, is that are we looking at then moving Andre Dillard in the same fashion? Because Andre Dillard has shown nothing in his entire Philadelphia Eagles career here. Actually, yeah, he's, he shut out Khalil Mack in a game. Okay, and then missed okay. the rest okay. of Okay. I mean, we're talking Khalil Mack, one of the best Absolutely. linemen of all time. Absolutely. But then besides that, I mean, he can't stay on the field. You know, we, we had to bring back Jason Peters because Dillard got hurt. I, I'm ready to move on from an undersized you tackle know, for a guy like Jordan Mylotta. I'm, I'm sure Johnny will be able to get better into it with the draft and all, but you don't move Jordan My, or, or uh, Andre Dillard because right now the draft competition you get for a former first-round pick is minuscule at best. You right. keep him You keep him as a bench. You try to get Statland, who Statland obviously developed Mylotta, take the pressure off Jordan Dillard, or, Jay, or Andre Dillard, you try to turn him into a guard or a right tackle of the future. You try to make him a swing tackle. You try to do something with him, but you right. don't trade him at this moment. Because what are you going to get for Andre Dillard at this point? A fourth round pick, fifth round pick, maybe. Right. And uh, look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to to trade Andre Dillard. I'm just saying that Jordan Mailata is the left tackle of the future. Like Lane Johnson. Quote he does about Jordan Mailata. He doesn't even know how good he's going to be. So you're talking the end caps of your offensive line. You don't need Dillard there. Figure out what you can do with him if you can have a spot for him on the That'd offensive line as a backup. Because Matt Pryor ain't it as a backup. And uh, you know, move on. If you can't do something with him, then move on from him. All right, Jeff, I'm gonna throw three names at you first. You're gonna get to answer. <laughs> Whether any of these guys are important, well, they're all important, but which one is the most important to step up? Because I got a lot of comments on all three of these names in the poll. Okay. Josh Sweat, Dirk Barnett, and Kayvon Wallace. I was super excited when Kayvon Wallace got mentioned because he's a guy who had a lot of potential, or thought I had a, he had a lot of potential last year. Jeff, who do you think is the most important out of those three, and who do you think will step up the most out of those three? I I'll say they're all pretty decent names. I'll say the thing is we only even know if Derek Barnett's gonna be here next year. So I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna cross him off the list right now uh, for right okay. now because we don't know. So but if I'll he's not on the list, then that means George, uh, Josh Sweat becomes a much yeah, bigger piece. Josh Sweat, I feel is gonna be that guy. I feel he's the guy that needs to step up, say take on that role and prove the doubters wrong that he can be. Uh, more than just a pass rush. I would say he really lacked against the run game last year. His knees wore down. He showed that he couldn't take on the workload. And it's going to be interesting to see how Gannon works with his front four because we don't have Jim Schwartz anymore who loves a lot of rotational players uh, along that front four defensive line to get pressure and keep their legs fresh. So uh, I would say Sweat is definitely a guy I'm going to be intrigued and looking at. He still had a solid season last year, so I'm hoping he can build upon that and and he's he's at a cheap cost, so I'll say if he can come in and step in with him and, and most likely BG on the opposite side, I'll say he shows you that you have a lot of uh, upside and uh, future for him 
uh, on this defense if he uh, can build up upon last year's season going into 2021. Kayvon Wallace, I'll say I hope he does well, but I don't know if he's going to be given the opportunity. I'll say I feel they're still going to bring back uh, Rodney McLeod. If they just want to try to keep Avante Maddox on this roster and move him to safety, I'll say it's going to be – Kayvon Wallace is definitely a name that you hope uh, can make the strides off his rookie campaign, especially since he got a lot of playing time, but we'll see. Johnny, you there, buddy? I'm there. All right, yeah. give, give me give, give me some Kayvon Wallace love, you know, because because we don't know if uh, Rodney McLeod, when he'll be back. I mean, he'll be back next year, but when. We don't know if Avanti Maddox or your boy Jalen Mills will be the safety opposite him yeah. next year. Somebody, or if you're not going to, Chip, somebody give me some Kayvon Wallace love that he's going to be a big part stepping up next year. I was going to go with Sweat, so is ain't going to be me. Yeah, giving I, well, I love Chip. Kayvon Wallace. I love, Kayvon. I, mean, Kayvon. love. I love. He was my favorite pick based off a round and everything. Yeah. He was my favorite pick of the draft last year. So somebody thought that he was Kayvon our – When you looked at our draft, I thought that he was our steal of the draft. Absolutely. Because – Actually, no. I had a bigger steal, but he's not on the team anymore. <laughs> Prince Tago, I agree. I was very excited about him. I'm like, we, we, but – you look at Kayvon Wallace, and so you go nostalgia first. He's a safety out of Clemson. That's worked out well for us before. I'm just saying. But then you go with the fact that Kayvon Wallace has the ability to be a playmaker. He can play what's what's being said about Davion Taylor there. He can play that hybrid safety linebacker position. Kayvon Wallace can. So he needs to work on coverage. He, but I, I agree with Jeff. I don't know if he's going to get the chance. I don't know if he's going to get the chance to play. That's a shame. So, really quick, Johnny, if you're there, here's a question. Can Davian Taylor be that backup nickel role where he's kind of like a hybrid guy, you know, as we're being asked here? Because, I, honestly, yeah. I, I, I had I, I, I had high hopes for Davian Taylor as well last year. He just didn't sniff the field but, like, two snaps the entire year. So, the, the part about this defense, these defensive coordinator and or the coaches – I know Damian Taylor didn't play a ton of football in high school, and then he had college only a you know short with uh, Colorado. But he's the type of player that this coaching staff can help mold him into something that uh, could be you know, he, he can be valuable. And not saying he's going to be a star, but if he if he's able to be productive, and that's the biggest thing. You know, with Kayvon Wallace, I'm not going to say Kayvon Wallace isn't going to be very good. I just thought Sweat, you know, makes more sense because of what he's shown. But, Kevon Wallace and Davion Taylor, this whole rookie class, even the rookie rookies from the previous years, this coaching staff has an opportunity to develop and to get production that we have not seen out of these last couple of you know classes because of the coaching staff that we've had. So I, I think they're going to be productive. I think this coaching staff is going to be able to mold these guys. I'm not saying they're going to be all stars, but or Pro Bowl or anything like that, but. I, 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 I got to cut you off, Johnny, because we're, we're we're you're breaking up on us here. I think um, that that's yeah. interesting, though, that he's saying that because the development piece is so big. the The Eagles last season, with no mini camp, with no rookie, with no with no ability to see what these guys have, and a coaching staff that didn't develop players. So it's in theory, any of these rookies are really going into their first year of solid developmental coaching. That's a huge. Huge point that Johnny just made there um, because the development didn't happen last year. They didn't develop Jalen Rager. They 
Jalen Hurts played four games with natural talent. You know, outside of offensive linemen where Jack Driscoll was ready to start and Jordan Mailata started, you know, you didn't see development happening with the Philadelphia Eagles. So I think Kayvon Wallace, we're going to see coaching. I think with Jordan Mailata, you'll see more coaching. I know he's not a rookie, but, you know, he's he's you. still so young in the league. Um, one name that I don't know if it got any votes, and I'm curious, because of the current right. state of the Eagles – um, and the fact that we Aren't don't have money, time? so we could no stop it, stop it, you stop it. No one name because we do kind of need him to have a big year, just as a filler position is Alex Singleton. He got one or two little comments about him, but kind of I kind of counter that as Alex Singleton. He's he's not a young kid. He's 27. Mm-hmm. You know he's been around. He 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 just finally is starting to. He's kind of like the Chris Coast. Of the yeah. Eagles, you know, a guy that's coming into his own at the end or middle of his, you know, playing career. Um, so I don't think he's important to step forward, right? Because yes, he's going to play, but he's not important for the future of this team. Big picture. no, but the, again, your question phrasing is in twenty twenty one. It is twenty twenty one is a transitional year, so I don't want to have to waste a pick on a middle linebacker. Unless it's Micah Parsons, in which case that's a different conversation. Yeah, a different conversation. But I don't want to – if Alex Singleton is a serviceable linebacker, I need him to play serviceable linebacker See, this here's season. Here's the thing with Alex Singleton, Chip. Alex Singleton is 27, and he still has holes in his game. Yes, he does. Okay. He is a starting linebacker on a four-win team max. Absolutely. If you want to see a, somebody – if, if we're trying to improve next year and have any chance of being better next year, whether it's record or just overall performance, a guy like Alex Singleton is not the guy that's going to make that difference. Alex Singleton is a placeholder. He's a uh, guy sure. that's going to be there just while the young guys get practice reps, while we look for the next middle linebacker. He's not the guy that's going to take a step forward to make an improvement on this team. Jeff, right. do you have any thoughts on that? I was about to say, Alex Singleton, I'll say the only reason fans are a little up in arms about him is he's a tackling machine. There's no doubt about it. He, he was probably one of the best tacklers on that defense last season. But Only to, in the running game. Well, yeah, in the running game. I'll say defense. Also, I'll say, he still has a huge hole in passing game at 27 years old. Yes, he does. He cannot cover to save his life, especially in this league when you have a lot of speedy, physical tight ends. He's a mismatch every single day. Yeah, that's so, a great point. Yeah, so, so, Ron Kirkland, when we brought him in, at yeah. like 305 pounds, could cover better than Alex Singleton. Well, I'll say the one name I was – at least we're talking linebacking core, I would say, that really needs to step up his game and th- that he needs th- – we need to look upon and hope he uh, makes strides is definitely TJ Edwards. I'll say he's still young at 20 yeah. years old. I would say he could be a guy, I will say, that another year or a, a year under a new defensive coordinator. I say I know he's had success in the past under Schwartz, so it's going to be interesting to see how he adjusts to the new scheme uh, under Gannon. But I would say he's definitely a young, talented linebacker. And I would say depending if we draft one in, in the draft or uh, get someone in free agency or through uh, or by trading someone, but he's definitely a guy on this defense to look forward to in 2021, hopefully. And I, just to compliment Alex Singleton or, or compliment his potential, you know, Gannon, I mean, he has valued linebackers, you know, especially last year in Indy, you know, linebackers were important in the scheme that yes. they ran. So we might see Davian Taylor, Alex Singleton, TJ Edwards, all these guys 
take step forwards. We do know that Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie will not value the linebacker in the draft. Nope. But the linebackers we have, we might see an improvement from them next year because this defensive coaching staff might, you know, value teaching them a thing or two. Hey, we don't know that. I was saying we know they're past, but who knows? I would say they right. can, they, they can ch- turn a new leaf and Absolutely. draft a linebacker high, especially since I'm, st- I'm still sitting on Micah Parsons as, you know, Damn. I would love to see him here. You know, I know he's not going to come here, but I would love to see Micah Parsons. Especially since I would say if you did not check out Saturday's All About the Birds draft show, make sure to go back to the YouTube channel, subscribe, like all that, and check out the interview that Johnny and Tommy did have uh, with former NFL and Penn State linebacker LeVar Arrington and his comments on Micah Parsons. So make sure to check that out. Didn't Micah Parsons compare him slightly to Ray Lewis? He he did. Ray Lewis, who could blitz, I believe, was the, well, was the well, comparison. You gave, you gave it away, Phil. Now people are not going to go back and listen for, to it. Well, now they have to go listen to see what he said. and Because that's a huge, bold, you know, hot take comparison. Ray Lewis, personal issues aside, is one of the greatest linebackers of all time. And, and LeVar Arrington made a comparison there. He did. So go watch the show, see where he drew that comparison. And, and, and you know... You know, I, I'm, I'm still high, but we we know that's not going to happen. There, there's no chance. No. You know, we got another comment again. We also have, you know, Gerard Avery getting moved to linebacker. Yes, that is correct. Maybe that's a better fit for him. Uh, but, you know, I'll give each of you guys a chance to wrap this up before we close this show out because we're, we're, we're going to push our record record time on this show tonight. Now nah, we, we did a two-hour one before. No, yeah, I did. just – Really? Yeah, we did. We, we did the big re- Christmas show. The Christmas show. Oh, the Christmas show. I forgot about the Christmas show. I was drinking a lot of Christmas wine that night. Look, I just, by by the time the draft rolls around, by the time summer camps roll around, by the time, we're going to be so exhausted of having the same conversations. For me, the biggest takeaway is that the people who know football need to make the football decisions and the people who sign the checks need to trust the people that they hired to make the football decisions. Right. That's my whole thing. Before I throw it to Jeff, you know, you say you say that, but the great thing about the Eagles is we're not going to be bored because this no. team just force feeds us <laughs> new content every single week on new controversies, new leaks, new stories that it just, the, the agendas write themselves. They do. They they totally write themselves. Yeah, which is great as, final as, closing as thoughts. Final thoughts. Free agency starts next week. We'll uh, talk about whatever n- moves or no moves in the NFL happen by next week. But Eagles fans, don't get your hopes up. Sit back, <laughs> relax. That's uh, a depressing final comment. I'll say better than that. I'm gonna say is buckle up, get ready. Yep. All right. Let's wrap this show up, people. I had a different word written on my agenda, but we'll just say people. Let's wrap it up. Everybody, thank you for watching. It's, it's been a great show, great comments, great support, great images. Again, <laughs> how can this not win image and, you know, meme of the year? I don't know. Vote Johnny Uleka, meme creator of the year, wherever that contest is out there. Real quick, we got two special shows coming up in the coming week. Two, not one, but two special shows. Tomorrow night, Unlocking the Vault is back, 10 p.m., right here on the All About the Birds Network, with special guest. This is big because I I love this guy. 
the greatest kicker in Eagles history, David Akers, will be joining us for a 45-minute approximately interview at 10 p.m. tomorrow night. If you've got questions to ask David Akers, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook. You know, Send us your messages and your questions. We'll try to get to as many as them we can. You know, when we have you know special guests like that, you know, getting to all the comments is a little tough. So if you pre-get us your questions, we'll, we'll we'll try to get to them and all as best we can. So tomorrow night, unlocking the vault, David Akers, 10 p.m. right here on the All About the Birds Network. Then Saturday is obviously draft show with Johnny. We'll get to that in a second. But Sunday night, 8 p.m. on the All About the Birds Network because we are all about all sports. We're going to have our March Madness break bracket breakdown show. It's going to be Chip. It's going to be Johnny. It's going to be me. And it's going to be my uh, fantasy golf you know, companion, Jason Sullivan. We're going to be breaking down the entire bracket. We also have a March Madness bracket contest. It's $5 to enter. The link's on our website, our Twitter page, our Facebook page. It's all over the place. Or just message one of us and we'll send you the link. So we got David Akers tomorrow night, 10 p.m. March Madness breakdown Sunday night. 8 p.m. The March Madness Bracket Challenge going on and all about the birds. Make sure you register. $5. Cash prizes. Merchandise prizes. The works. Make sure you do all that. Obviously, we got our regular shows Monday night, Chips and Dish. Great show this past week with a member of, you know, Trip Fabulous. I don't know what else he does on the rest of the shows. But, you know, I just know him from Trip Fabulous. That was a great show. Loved seeing him on there. You got to get Laura Lee on. I know because because you're gonna have to move it till nine o'clock so I can join for a Laura Lee episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am on on this upcoming week. I am bringing on a a, a female um, because the the brackets get released Sunday night. Every time my wife and I compete in anything with pickums and the fellows all know that she kicks my ass. So on on chips and dish this Monday night, we are doing a special chips and his miss. Um, Love the name. It's a great name because. We're gonna we're gonna do her live picks on air and figure out how she seems to win things that I know more knowledge about, but she just wins. All right, Johnny. This upcoming week, Saturday night, nine o'clock on the All About the Birds Draft Talk. What's the agenda coming up? Any special guests? Anything you want to promote? Uh, we are gonna do a pre-free agency mock draft, so it's gonna be a, a pretty intensive one with Tommy and I going back and forth with draft picks. Gotcha. And, of course, if you missed it last night, it's on the YouTube page. It's on the Anchor account. You know, I did my fairway to have him previewing the Players' Championship this weekend. My picks to win the event, Colin Morikawa, Tony Finau. We were joined by special guest Chris, Zou- Chris Yukzuzian. I can never say his name. I just know him as Chris Ebom on Twitter. It's way easier to say than his name. Um, but, again, we always do fairway to heaven every Tuesday night, 9 p.m., breaking down the PGA Tour. You know, Jason and I – this is one of our favorite weeks of the year, the Players' Championship. Nothing's more famous than the 17th Island Green at the at, at TPC Sawgrass. So make sure you're always checking out our uh, golf podcast on Tuesday nights. Jeff, anything to plug before we wrap this up? Uh, Friday, YouTube, uh, Birds, Beers, and BS with Peanuts. I'll say we'll be discussing uh, their uh, Eagles offseason want list as we head into free agency, amongst other Eagles topics and other uh, pop culture BS that we want to discuss. Uh, and then uh, Saturday night, I'll be on A2D's uh, In This Very Ring Wrestling Show. We'll be previewing uh, WWE's Fastlane pay-per-view, the last pay-per-view before WrestleMania, and recapping as well uh, this past weekend's AEW Revolution pay-per-view. 
Awesome, awesome stuff there. I always forget about Birds, Beer, and BS. I mean, it is our number one YouTube show. I mean, it's exclusive on the YouTube network. I mean, we share it out on all the other social media pages. But Peanut and you guys do a great job there. He's doing a great work there. I mean, we're, we're pushing 200 views per episode on YouTube alone just for you know his show. So if anybody's watching on YouTube, anybody watches replays of these shows on YouTube, make sure you click subscribe. Make sure you share it to all your friends. Make sure you're hitting the thumbs up comment or button on there. We'd greatly appreciate it. Again, if you're interested in joining the All About the Birds team, we're always looking for new people to join the team. Whether you want to write on our website, whether you want to create content, videos, images, things to post on social media, whether you want to podcast, we've got different opportunities. You just got to reach out to any of us. I am Phil Stifle, Beard and Knowledge. We got Jeff Warner at Jeff Warner NFL. Johnny Uleka, Johnny U, 9322. Chip Keggy, not Chip Warner, at Chip for the Bird. <laughs> I wrote that note down not to mess that one up tonight. <laughs> Message any of us on Twitter or on Facebook. We will get you set up. We'll talk to you about how you can join our team. We just added Jason Voorhees, a great, great Phillies writer, to write for our team to cover the Phillies. I do golf. We got draft. Anything you want to talk about or write about, message us. We'll, we'll talk to you about how you can join our team. If you're interested in sponsorships or advertising, you know, we've got a couple of little affiliate deals set up, but if you want your name on these shows to promote what you're doing, first time he pointed, yeah, no, I, I mess it up every time. It, it, <laughs> all right. If you want to promote your company or your message or your organization, reach out to us. We've got all different kinds of promotional opportunities for you. Thousands of people have their eyes on our shows every week. We can get them on your products and your brands. Reach out to us. Guys, it's a hell of another show here this week. We're, coming, we're, we're getting really close to the one-year mark for All About the Birds. Really I like close. I like it. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought we wouldn't have killed each other by this point? <laughs> I joined late, so I'm, I'm probably due. Okay. All right, all right, all right. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll give you six more months before you want to kill of us. Kill, kill all of us. Anyway. Everybody, thank you very much. Again, this is the flagship show on All About the Birds, the All About the Birds weekly report. As we end every show, go birds. Go birds. Go birds. Go birds. Go birds.